that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello, welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent, and once again this week, Eric Aguilar, my co-host, is out. He's on training. He's actually doing some disaster preparedness training, and I believe he was talking about like crowd control or that kind of thing, some training. So we'll get the whole story when he gets back. All right, I'm a polio survivor, crutch user for years, and then transitioned into a wheelchair over the last 20 years. A pretty low-key week this last week. Uh, Nothing big, kind of my usual uh, volunteer work that I I do. I'm retired, so uh, I do volunteer work a number of different places, and I uh, do this podcast. (laughs) And then I go visit my granddaughter, and that's about it. You know, do stuff around the house. I'm a, uh, I'm a yeah, amateur woodworker, so I kind of do some projects there, but n- nothing, nothing big recently. Uh, the big get that I got, that I don't know if I talked about this here, but uh, years ago when I was at the radio station, uh, they came in and they, and forgive me if I already told this story, but uh, they, they put in some beautiful new studios, beautiful broadcast furniture, you know, something I just like drooled over and, and dreamed about having someday. Uh, well, I left there like five years ago, but I'm, I'm looking on on social media and I see where they're moving their studios. They're they're kind of downsizing and they needed less space. So they were moving to another location. So I reached out to our engineer that I worked with at the time and I, I said, uh, what's happening with all that furniture? And they said, well, we've got a company coming in, just going to kind of tear it up, throw it in the trash. I'm like, oh my God, no. So I said, can I come and get it? he said, sure, but you got to be here and ready to take it apart and take it with you on a certain day. And I said, got it. I got my marching orders. So I went in there and uh, got that thanks to a bunch of buddies of mine, Larry, Alonzo, Phil. Couldn't have done it without them. Thank you, guys. That's been a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Meant to uh, get it moved into my studio here last week, but that didn't happen. So I I don't know when we're going to do it. I got to make sure that I get it switched out. And, and everything keeps working so that we can continue uh, doing our podcast from week to week. So that's kind of the challenge I've got. But uh, I think we're up to it. So hopefully we'll get that all squared away. Uh, that's, that's about it, um, I think, last week. So let's uh, turn our attention now to our upcoming guest here on Walk and Roll Live. I've uh, been uh, trying to get this gentleman on for a while. Uh, his name is Carlos Maletta. If you are a follower of Disabled Sports, uh, you may know that name. Uh, Carlos, uh, his roots trace back to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, At 18, he made his way to the U.S. and uh, embraced the thrill of adventure in the United States. He enlisted in the Navy. And then through relentless dedication, once he got into the Navy, he has secured a a prestigious role as a Navy SEAL. Well, that took him in a confrontation to Panama and amongst the chaos of a firefight in 
in Panama, he sustained his casualties and became a paraplegic. So we'll uh, probably touch on that story and we'll find out, you know, kind of what he was about before that. We'll hear about the, the firefight and then we'll see what he's been up to since then. And he has an impressive resume. So please join us right after this word from Agar Professional Training, our sponsor, and we love them very much as we delve into our next episode here in 2024 on Walk and Roll Live. Introducing Agar Professional Training, where we believe your greatest asset is your team. Investing in their development, knowledge, and happiness is crucial for the success and growth of your business. To reach new heights, you need to hire smart, talented individuals and empower them to work in their areas of strength and passion. At Aguiar Professional Training, we're dedicated to helping your employees become happier, more productive, and fulfilled because when your team thrives, your business thrives. We can help your workplace work better. We offer customized workshops and one-on-one coaching to help teams and leaders build trust and have better communication. We also offer strategic planning sessions, among other services. Elevate your team with Agyar Professional Training. You are listening to Walk and Roll Live. We've got a very special guest today, Carlos Maletta. Um, And let me tell you a little bit about Carlos just in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know anything about him. Uh, uh, he was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He came to the U.S. at 18. He joined the Navy. He worked hard, earned a spot on a coveted Navy SEAL team. And with those duties came an intense firefight that left Carlos a paraplegic. A major part of his recovery included adaptive sports, which Carlos took to incredible heights. He is a seven-time national champion in the Ironman competition, five-time world champion in the Hawaiian Ironman, two-time national hand cycling champion. Uh, there's more, but uh, the show is only an hour long. So welcome, Carlos. We appreciate you coming to talk to us. Thank, Hey, Doug, thank you for having me. You know, and, and before we get too much further, we always like to kind of get an idea um, uh, about what our guests were like growing up, the kind of the, the pre-injury, post-injury kind of comparison between the two. So what, what kind of kid were you? Were you an athletic? I, I would think athletic probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, believe it or not, I don't think, I don't think people change. I think, you know, uh, exactly, exactly the same way you were before your injury, for example, Yep. you eventually go, go back to the same old habits, you know what I mean? I, I've pretty much been the same person, you know, I, I go and get, you know, if I want something, I will work hard to, you know, to, to and try to get it. You know what I mean? Since I was a kid, I was exploring, I was you know, trying new things. So, uh, you know, after I got injured, you know, it, it's just, it didn't miss a beat. You know I mean? Just kept going the same person, really. Yeah. And, you know, and I totally agree with you in, in just everyone that I've met through possibilities and now doing this, this program, uh, it's, it's the same thing. I've realized that if you were a snowboarder before or skateboarder or rock climber, or, you know, you have that in your kind of your, your, your personality, and it doesn't go away because you got injured. Yeah. So you're just, you just have to adapt to it. Right. Uh, pretty much. I mean, your personality, is, I think is still the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the things that you, you know, that you're going to strive for, look for, you know, if it's not available to you, you're going to figure out a way to do it, you know, yeah. or making it or, or making it come for real. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's one good, one thing, you know, one good thing about, 
you know, uh, coming into this new world, man, of, you know, of, of disability is that you get to explore, you get to learn things and you get to develop things that may not even, you know, you know, be out out there and people may need it. Yeah. That's something I want to talk about. And, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, I, 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 I'm curious too, you know, what, uh, what allured you to come to the United States? Believe it or not, I was the first time I came here was before 18. Mm-hmm. I came here, I was 16 years old for uh, uh, skateboarding, a world championship for skateboarding. I used to be a pro skateboarder in Brazil. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we had a big, you know, world championship here. So we came, you know, we did. And then when I saw, I mean, the, you know, it was at that height of the skateboarding era, you know, with Tony Alva, you know, all those, those yeah. great, you know, old uh, skateboarders. And then I, I went back and I, I told my mom, you know, I'm an explorer. I mean, I said, I'm going to go back and, and live that life. You know, the skateboarding, surfing, California thing. And uh, and that's what I did. I turned 18 and it's like, goodbye. I sold all my little things, came here. And uh, and it became a huge adventure, man. You have no idea. It's just incredible. You know, it's funny what a dream will do, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you were just thinking about moving from one country to another, it, you know, it might scare the hell out of you. You might not do it. But when you have that dream, you don't even think about those things. Yeah, I mean, and it's a perfect age because, you yeah. know, you, you indestructible, 18 years old, I'll just go, whatever. You know what I mean? And, it, and then you, you know, you realize, oh, all of a sudden I can't just go back to, you know, to my house. It's not around the corner. You know what I mean? It's a country away. <laughs> and then you grow up very fast and then you look at your priorities differently. You know, the skateboarding kind of went out, you know, out the way and working was the thing. If I want to get something. You know, um, I had the opportunity now, you know what I mean? And I was going to grab that and run with it. Yeah. And and then at how long did that go? And then where was the transition to, to come to the decision to join the Navy? I mean, I, you know, I used to, I mean, you know, I, I work uh, in restaurants first. Believe it or not, my, my first job was a dishwasher from that same place. I went from that to owning my own restaurant, you know, with the owner because he saw, I mean, this guy works so hard. Yeah. He put all his trust on me and, uh, you know, together, you know, we built this place and I worked there for a few years, but eventually, you know, it was just work and work and work. It wasn't really fulfilling, you know, it was just making money. Yeah. And I wanted to do something more, you know, I wanted to do something extra, you know, the adventure spirit is still there. And my wife at the time, you know, her dad was a master chief in the Navy and, uh, and I was a diver, actually, you know, like I used to go scuba diving in the Keys and so forth. And um, so I said, you know, I'm going to join the Navy and I'm going to become a deep sea diver. You know, like I wasn't supposed to be in the SEAL teams. I was just going to go and be a diver. And then when I when I went to uh, the boot camp and I saw about the, about the SEALs, like, oh, man, that's that's what I want right yeah. there. You know what I mean? And um, and believe it or not, I took the test, you know, and uh, and I failed. I couldn't swim. I could not swim. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not a good thing for a, for a SEAL. No. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, no, this is, this is not going to work. So I, I learned how to swim. You know, I did one tour uh, to South America with, you know, with the regular Navy and, you know, and I trained a little bit, came back and I, uh, uh, you know, took the test again. I passed, you know, no problem. Uh, and went to Bud's and went to, uh, to Coronado for SEAL training. You know, and there's another example of, you know, having that dream fuels you to overcome the setbacks. You know, I, I don't want to gloss over that because, you know, it's a lot of people give up at that point. Yes. Right? I mean, you know, because of, uh, 
you know, you, I feel that if you really want something, you know, I mean, you have, you have to, to set your priorities. Nothing is done, you know, without some sort of sacrifice. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, uh, you may think, oh, it's so big. I'm going to have to, you know, to do so much to get to it, you know, and you're going to figure out, okay, how important is this for me? You know, if it's really important, you're going to have to sacrifice something and do the work. Yeah. And, um, and I'm willing to do that. You know, if I want something to be done, if I want something to come to fruition, I will work as hard as I can to, you know, to make it happen. Well, you know, I'm going to uh, interject now. This is, this is how I met you. Of course, uh, uh, what is it? 15, maybe closing in on 20 years ago. Now, when I got introduced to possibilities and they wanted me to do a triathlon. And so they, they trained me in about six weeks to do, uh, not the big ones, but it was what they call a, a sprint triathlon, right? Yeah, the sprint triathlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then they, they said, we're going to have this gentleman come and ride along with you on the day of the race, just to motivate you and that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> and, that, and that's what I hear about, you know, Carlos Belletta. And I'm like, okay. Um, and, and that's what, you know, you, you weren't telling me along the way, any techniques about how I was riding the hand cycle or anything else you were telling me it's all in your mind, you know, it comes from, the, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I'll, know, because, I'll let you tell it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. You know, it, it comes from there. Your mind tells you, you know, your body just going to do what your mind tells you, you know, it's your body, you know, your mind is going to quick way, quit way before your body. That's yeah. the thing I learned. And, um, uh, one thing I learned from buds is that I can, you know, I can do so much more, then I, you know, I thought I could, you know, I could do so much more than I thought I could, you know, my class started, you know, we had about 120 guys on my buds class and, um, only lab and finish, you know? So, because again, this is what I want. So I'm going to work as hard, you know what I mean? If it was easy, everybody would be doing yeah. this, this thing. It, you know it's what almost I mean? like and, the decisions already made in your mind. Pretty much, you know, and, and when I accomplish this. Yeah. If I want to do something pretty much, well, that's the way you have to think if you want to succeed. Now, can you remember back then? Uh, that was 2006, I believe. So had, had you had any of your, your national championships yet or your Hawaiian Ironman championships? Uh, at, by, by, uh, by the time I met you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think in 2006. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My yeah, first okay. Ironman, my first Ironman was 98. Yeah. Cause you had already, 99. yeah, you had already pretty much made a name for yourself back then. And you've gone on to add to that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I did my, my, uh, my last Ironman, um, was 2015. Okay. That, that was the last one. I was 53 years old. And, uh, and it was a good one to close that door. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm done. You know what I mean? It was a good, good, good um, journey, a good, good trip. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable memories. But then you have to move on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, and I learned a lot, you know, from that transition, from being so busy, so focused on something, you know what I mean? And you have to let that go and then try to find something else to put your focus on, which happens to a lot of, you know, professional athletes or, or people that, you know, that they work doing the same thing for a long time. You know, you get to that point. Okay, now you can't do this anymore. So let's find something else to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people absolutely. struggle with that. Yeah. So if we can return to your Navy days and, you know, so you, you pursue a spot on the SEALs, you get that. 
Then comes the mission that tests all your skills. You find yourself in Nicaragua. You're hunting a bad guy. And Panama. Can you give us a brief, brief overview of how you sustained your injuries? Yeah, I mean, they, actually, it was Panama, 1989. Panama. Okay. In Panama. Yeah, we went after Manuel Noriega. And, uh, and it, was, it was a big operation because nothing really had happened, you know, uh, uh, military-wise, big since Grenada, you know, that we send troops in. So when Panama happened, it was a big thing for, you know, for everybody. So the people just start picking jobs to do. And the job that we did, you know, uh, was to secure Patilia Airport. You know, that's where uh, Noriega kept his jet, you know. But when SEAL teams do their job, you know, they want to go somewhere, you know, in a small group of, of, uh, of people, get the job done and leave without hmm. people even knowing they were there. You know, and with this thing, we had to walk up uh, a runway, you know, with 50 SEALs, you know, and just so to keep his jet from, you know, from, from taking off. You know, it could have been done differently. It doesn't matter. I mean, we walked up the runway. We got in front of his uh, uh, hangar, you know, and the thing is we weren't at war with, uh, with Panama. You know, we were just there to, you know, to get this guy, you know, and our job is just keep him from getting away from, you know, with his jet. Mm-hmm. So we can't just go and start shooting, you know, at will. Uh, so what happened is, you know, my whole platoon was in front of the, of the hangar and, you know, and the Panamanians were pretty much looking at us with their guns pointing at us and we can't shoot, you know, until they open fire first, you know, so it's like, okay, let's see who is going to, you know, who's going to last. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the a firefight started and pretty much just about everybody in my platoon was shot. You know what I mean? And uh, four of my teammates were uh, were killed, uh, and uh, and eleven were were uh, hurt pretty bad, and um, and uh, and that was the end. You know, the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. You know, yeah. uh, you go to, you know, to the hospital. You know, I was shot twice: one in my on my back and one in my uh, in my leg. You know, and and I um got to the hospital and you, you still don't think, you know, this is permanent, you know, you're still there for a few weeks and thinking, okay, you know, when am I going to get better? Blah, blah, blah. Doctor, you know, do your thing. But eventually it kind of dawns on you, you know, it dawned on me that this is for the long haul here. This is not something that's going to be, you know, fixed, you know, anytime soon, you know, and then this nurse comes in, you know, in the middle of the night, she was taking my vitals or something, and she said that, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, I work with, uh, you know, a group of paraplegics, you know, they play basketball. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, not, there's even a name for this thing, you know. And I'm like, so it's now, and then eventually it was a whole new world, man, you know, of all these people with all these different, you know, challenges and, and uh, you know, and ways of lives. That was like, well, it was actually pretty interesting in, in the beginning. Like, wow, you know, it's, you know, it's challenging. You know, yeah. it's still challenging, you know, every day. You know, it's an everyday thing. Yep. You know, you have to deal with it, get up in the morning, like, oh, my Lord. You know, but then you just get used to it and you just move on and live your life just like everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can only speak for me because, you know, every injury is different. Yes. You know, some people, it'd be much harder for somebody than it is for me. You know, I'm lucky that, you know, I can do as much as I can do. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that, for sure. Well, that's, and that's, if you haven't, you know, listened to the program, that's kind of what it's about right there is that, you know, we tell our stories and and we've said this many times on here that, you know, even though there may be similarities, every single person is, is unique in yeah. their level of ability. You know, I don't, 
you know, like to say disability, but they're a level of ability. And it's different. Yeah, it's it's different. And you, but in, people, but even saying that the, the the similarities can kind of help us get through the struggles. I think. Yes. Yes. You know, because because you know because you know loss can be passed based on one big chunk of people. You know, um, and uh, it's um, one of the things that most people look. You know, especially people in wheelchairs, uh, in manual wheelchairs, for example, they think oh their problem is they can't walk. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing. No, there's so many other problems that most people don't know about. They can't see it, you know, uh, which makes, you know, everyday living, you know, much more uh, challenging, you know, because it's not just the walking thing. The walking thing is the easiest one because you can get around with all the other things that compounds the issue, you know, makes it harder, uh, you know, for anyone, yeah. you know, so. Uh, and and uh, some of those things are life threatening. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A high injury or quadriplegic. Yeah. I mean, uh, heat or cold, you yeah. know, your temperature uh, managing, you know, uh, system on your body doesn't work well. So if you yeah. get cold, you can't warm up yeah. and vice versa. If you get really warm, you know, some quads, quadriplegics, they, they don't even sweat. Right. So you, co- you can't cool, your, you know, you can't, uh, cool yourself, you know, and uh, so it becomes life threatening. A lot of things, infections and so forth, because you, yeah. you can't feel half of your body. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that's, you, you kind of touched on some things that I wanted to ask you about. And it sounds like, uh, because this was in what year? The My issue, injury? Yeah. Your injury. 1989. I feel like so there's been so much, um, progress in oh, yeah. programs like, like here locally possibilities. And I know there's a number of them across the country. But so I was interested to hear that, that there was somebody that came to you and said there's wheelchair basketball. There's already those adaptive sports and there was a community back then. Right, right. The uh, thing about, about about sports, the way I see it, yeah. you know, especially when it comes down to uh, to uh, disabled sports, mm-hmm. you know, the way I see it, you know, uh, one thing that we all have in common in wheelchair sports is trauma. We went, we all went through some kind of a trauma, an accident, a disease, you know, something that, uh, that changed your life drastically. Okay. And you have, now you have to cope. Right. And wheelchair sports, it's an amazing tool to use, you know, to get you back in, into life in many ways. Okay. Yes. But the thing is, we got to make sure that it's not used as a crutch, you know, for people, you know, where their lives revolves completely around that. And what, if you if that's out if if, if you uh, get injured, for example, you don't you can't do your sport. It doesn't be it doesn't become you. Yeah. You know. So when I when I when I coach, you know, and I mentor people in sports, special wheelchair sports, you know, they want to go to college and so forth. I make sure to tell them, I mean, don't let the sports, you know, the chair defines who you are. You know, your character will do that. Okay. So this is just you know. A stepping stone to your life, you know, you do your wheelchair racing, for example, you know, and that's your way to go to college. And then once you get to college, you know, you go in and, and live your life. You know, the wheelchair racing may or may not be part of a whole life. So you don't put all your, you know, your efforts into that. You kind of spread your efforts even throughout your life. Very well said. Yeah, that's that's the way I look at it, too, is it it uh, and, and, you know, maybe you can speak to, you know, how that transition was for you. But. But, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people, they just think my life's over. You know, I, oh, uh, yeah. I'm suddenly in a wheelchair. I won't be able to work. I won't be able to have a family. All these, all these things they just think are take, taken off the table. And I think that 
sports many times, if I can do this, all those other things are possible, right? It opens all the doors. I mean, yeah. that's the tool that, you know, that we use, you know, all the foundations, you know, possibilities, you know, Challenge Athletes Foundation, you know, the PVA, you know, uh, sports mm-hmm. and recreation is the number one, you know, thing that we use, you know, as a way to get veterans and kids, you know, and adults, uh, um, disabled adults out there and enjoying life out in the open and, and things like that. And that's exactly how it happened to me. You know, you're in a hospital, thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do now? You know, I was, I was, my heart was set on being a seal until I die kind of thing, you know, and then what are you going to do now? You know, uh, and then my therapist, uh, she introduced me to, you know, she brought this old wheelchair, you know, a racing chair, like, you know, get in there, you know, try it out. And, I, and as soon as I got on that thing, you know, it was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. It's a different apparatus, you know, it goes a lot faster than the other one, you know, and she said, you know, if you do a, if you train a little bit and you do a, you know, a 5k locally here, I'll get your own. Said, okay, that's a deal. Ooh. Like I'm a bat. Little incentive. You know, so, I like yeah. It. So I went, I did the 5k with another guy. He became my mentor eventually. And she, you know, she, uh, she said, okay. So she signed an order for a, a racing chair for me. So that was the beginning of my, I would say my sporting career, you know, which became pretty much a huge part of my life. I mean, it yeah. was all that I did, you know, because it, it really filled that, you know, that uh, void, you know, that uh, not being able to be a SEAL left. Yeah. And, and that you know? competitive part of you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. woke that up, you know, like, yeah. because I always been that way. I'm like, wow, I can still, you know, if I want to be a guy in a chair, man, I'll be the best one. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind yes. of thing. Well, I kind was curious. Thing. That's what I wanted to ask you, you know, how it went from maybe a tool to, you know, to kind of bring you forward for the rest of your life as far as your capabilities and maybe a recreational thing, you know, when did you know that it was going to be uh, a, I mean, a competition? I mean, I figured out, like I said, you know, there was this whole yeah. world of, of challenges, this whole world of, of uh, you know, things that were undone, you know, because people didn't know how to do it, were afraid of doing it. Like, you know, I'm going to do that. Like when, I, when I saw the Iron Man thing on, on the TV, like, you know, and people were trying to do it, and they, they couldn't do it. Like, I'm going to do that. You know, they're like, so I went and did, you know, I trained for it. I learned about it and went to Hawaii and, you know, it became a huge success. Uh, you know, it's always, you know, like before, trying to find new things, you know, to live, you know, this um, human experience, man. You know, we only do this once. Living is a one-shot deal, yeah. you know. So your choice is like, you know, whatever, man, die and die. But if your choice is like, no, I want to live this to the bone, you know, because I know eventually this is going to be over. So might as well, you know, do as much as I can, you know, enjoy my life as much as I can, regardless of being on the chair or not. And that goes for everyone. Yeah. Chair or not. Yeah. So at what point too, did you, or was it from the beginning, you know, whatever it is, is did you kind of get immersed in this community and want to be more than just, you know, somebody who was a competitor within the community, but also wanted to serve this community and be a mentor and all those other things. I mean, those things that, I mean, it it came in naturally to me, you know what I mean? Because I saw that when I started racing, for example, I had people that helped me, had mentors that helped me, you know what I mean? And and for for me to be able to, for example, when I was really, really good at hand cycling, for example, I would share all my training, all my secrets, because I want the other people to, to get there as well, you know, to feel that experience. Okay, dude, you can be really fast if you go A, B, C, and D. Most people don't 
like sharing those things, you know. And, and because I'm that kind of a person, people, you know, took a liking to me because, you know, if someone asked me a question, I'm like, yeah, I'll help you do this. I'll help, how to, you know, how to do that. And that's the thing about, uh, you know, the, the uh, adaptive sports community. It's very, very, you know, it's a really tight community. You know, people help each other. If you don't know something, you know, people, you know, they're willing to help you, you know. So that's why I don't think adaptive sports will ever be like real sports. You know, it will be just something on its side because it means completely different to us, I think. Yeah. So do you still compete? Uh, no, I, I train every day, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, either ride, I ride my bike on Zoom, yeah. uh, on Zwift, you know, and I go to the gym at least four or five times, a, you know, a week. Because for us, you know, people with disabilities, especially people in wheelchairs, um, as we, this is life insurance when you get older. You know, that's when you're going to need to be healthy, you know, when you're going to need to, to have shoulder health to be able to transfer to your bed, you know, take a shower. So being, uh, being healthy and being physically fit is almost a requirement for you to have some sort of quality of life later on. You know, because one, number one, you don't want to be a burden on somebody else. Yep. To have somebody else having to push you and pull you and, and put you in bed and put you in the shower. So if you if we take care of ourselves now, you know, when we can and be and make it a habit of being healthy and fit, you know, that's gonna pay dividends later, I think. And that's what I'm doing for. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I uh I'm there. You know, I'm uh I'm knocking on seventies door and uh and I I was a crush user for 50 plus years before uh-huh. I transitioned over the last few years to the chair full time. And, and, and I just, I want to tell, I want to tell the youngsters that are in their chairs and who, you know, who came to this, you know, at 18, 19, 20, 25, whatever, you know, take care of your shoulders, take care shoulders. of your shoulders. Yeah. It's just uh minor shot. I've, hey, I've, I was told 20 years ago that I was ready for a shoulder surgery and I've, and that's the reason why I put it off is, is how do I not do anything for six weeks? A, you can't. Yeah. And then after that, you know, you still have the physical therapy, you know, just, you don't get to six weeks and you start using them again. So, no. and every, you know, you know, everything you do, you use your shoulders, everything. Oh you yeah. yeah. You don't move without using your shoulders. You got to lift your legs. You got to do all those yeah. things. Yep. Yep. So yes, yes, sir. Take care of them. Take care of them. Tell people a little bit about what an Ironman triathlon is. I don't, the people don't know. I mean, the Ironman triathlon, especially the one in Hawaii, you know, which is the biggest one. You yeah. know, it's an endurance race. You know, they use that uh, was really started by you know a couple of Navy SEALs back in Coronado wow. and uh, in San Diego, and uh, you know you start the race by swimming. You know, uh, almost two and a half miles. And then come out of the water. And for me, you know, people, uh, able-bodied people, athletes, they will jump on their bikes. I'll jump on my hand cycle and we ride the hand cycle for 112 miles. All right. Come back and then you change to a racing chair and you push that for a marathon distance, you know, 26.2 miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Easy day, you know. Uh, <laughs> Easy but day. But it, it, it takes a lot of training, you know. That's the thing. That's why it's... Uh, is hard to do uh, an Ironman. You know, the race itself, if you do it, you know, uh, it's very doable. You know, it just takes time to train 
and uh, you know, to do it right. You can't just hop in and think, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman and, no. and that's it. No, it took me a couple of years to do it right. And, and uh, those of us that are uh, uh, disabled athletes, we're doing, uh, you know, I've never done an Ironman, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but you're doing those things, all three of those disciplines with your arms. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty you much, you, get, you, know, you scrim with your arms and then you push uh, your, your bike with your arms and you push the racing chair. Yeah, it's all arms. Wow. It's, so, uh, it's a long day. So those uh, disciplines and the lessons that you learned from being an, an athlete, a Navy SEAL, uh, a, a, a championship athlete in the dis- disabled community. What what did you learn from those that you are carrying with you through your life to other endeavors? I mean, the, the number one thing, you know, Doug, it is gratitude. You know, that's one thing that I learned that 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 moves mountain. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a two way thing. You know, if you're grateful to you know uh, you know um, for something, if someone did something to you, you know, it makes you feel great. It makes that it makes that person that that's providing you that feel great. Gratitude, you know, it's something that uh, for me, it's uh, something that has helped me throughout my life. It's the number one thing that I, that I learned, especially within this community. You know, being grateful for what you have. You know, being grateful to be able to, you know, to serve other people. You know, with what you have. You know, uh, yeah. that's my number one word is gratitude. Well, and, and I think that answers the other question I had is, you know, to share a message or lesson from your experiences that uh, other people can use. And that kind of answers that as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned um, CAF, the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And at some point, uh, you know, maybe you can give us kind of an overview, but at some point I'd like to have somebody on from that organization. And, and, and maybe you can contact me with somebody that, you know, would, would be able to come on our show. But uh, can you tell people what that's all about? I mean, the Challenge Athletes Foundation, It, would, it there's nothing like it in, in the world. You know what I mean? It, they're doing something similar, the possibilities, but in a much, much broader scale. You know what I mean? It started because of a, uh, it's a, a triathlon-based uh, organization. It started that way because a triathlete, uh, he was an amputee, um, and he... Um, he he, he was doing a race as an amputee, you know, and then during the race, he got hit by a van. You know, he became a quadriplegic, a very high quadriplegic. And some of his friends, you know, uh, did a fundraiser to help him help him pay some of his bills and so forth. Uh, they did that. And then they did another fundraiser to uh, buy him a car. And they realized, you know, there is hardly any support for people with disabilities out there for them to be able to, you know, to pursue any sports. You know, if you want to, you know, you play basketball, you need a basketball chair. If you you not play tennis, you need a tennis chair. If you want to run, and if you don't, you're missing a leg, you have to buy a prosthetic leg just so you can so you can run. So these four guys came up with the idea: let's, you know, let's do a fundraiser, and then start helping people. You know what I mean? And, and see if it works. And then just it, it went from this tiny little, you know, uh, room, you know, in some building in, into this huge uh, million million. I mean, millions of dollars organization that they do work all over the world. They provide athletes with grants, you know, for them to be able to buy the equipment that they need to be able to pursue whatever sport they're looking for. You know, it could be fishing, sailing, diving, wheelchair racing. They'll provide the equipment, you know what I mean? And then they have different programs, you know, through high schools, for example, where they offer uh, a track and field uh, in California, for example, for kids in wheelchairs and so forth. 
so they they uh, they give out over two million dollars a year and just in grant money for people to pursue uh, their sports. You know, uh, grants for coaching, you know, buying equipment uh, for traveling and competing and so forth. So it's uh, it's it's huge. Do they also have peer support and those kinds of things too? They do. Yeah. You know, they gave like a mentorship program. I'm one of their ambassadors, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for example, if they, if they find of someone that's in need of, you know, let's say reach, you know, uh, an outreach, Oh, okay, this guy, this kid just got hurt, you know, uh, it'd be nice for someone to come and talk to him and you know, his parents, for example, and, 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 and especially when someone is younger, you know, our parents, you know, wow, my God, what's going to happen with my kid? You know, uh, so by having someone like myself, for example, that can say, listen, everything's going to be fine. You know, he's going to grow up. He's going to have a family, you know, going to get married, kids and, and have a beautiful life. And it happened. I have a lot of kids, you know, that I went to see them in hospital. They're 14 years old, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old that now. You know, they're all successful, you know, either athletes or they went to college, you know, and they did something in their lives all because, you know, they got that information right off the bat. Okay. Yes. You know, there are things out there for us to do. Well, I'm a polio survivor and, and I tell you that concept right there, which in the 1950s was so far up ahead of all the services and programs and things that we're talking about now, but but a nurse pulled my dad aside and said, you know, don't do for these kids. It was my brother and I that both yeah. had it. And, and that's kind of, that was it. That's what they did our whole lives. They didn't treat us any differently than my no, other able-bodied the- brother and sister. You know, if we fell, we got up on our own and that's the foundation that we grew up on. I didn't really come to the disabled community maybe until I did that, that triathlon with possibilities. Yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. just an individual out there living my life like anybody else, you know, going to school, going to college, getting a career going, all of those things. And not but until then, it, it, yeah. it, it worked, you know, and, but now, but definitely I'm, I'm so thankful and I'm so blessed to be a part of this community and I want to give back. Right. You know? I mean, once we realize like, you know, you know, I look at myself and then, you know, like I look at other people like, man, you know, I, I'm, I have it pretty good. You know, I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you look at relative to some other people, the way they live and, you know, how difficult life is for them. So, uh, you know, difficulties are there. They're part of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, how you see them, how you you tackle them, you know, it'll vary, you know, but having a good attitude, having, you know, you know, a way of thinking that's positive will always help. Yeah. There's that gratitude you were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was lucky. You, you, you know, how many people would, if they just casually saw you would think oh, there's a guy that thinks he's lucky, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, you know, how miserable of a life he's having, <laughs> you know, they have no idea, you know, and what's funny is because, you know, uh, for example, in my town, at Home Depot, for example, I know everybody there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I go in and out, and so everybody's like, you know, this is Carlos, man. He's always has a smile on his face. You know, they, they're always, you know, asking about my projects and stuff. So once they know you, like, man, yeah, you inspire me, you inspire me. So it's yeah. uh, just by seeing you doing those things, it makes their day a little bit better because, yeah, you know, I have better than that guy right there. I'll bet you, yeah. you know. You know, so. this, and through this program and now listening to you, I'm hearing that a lot, but you know what's dawning on me, Carlos? And I don't know how to address this yet, but on this program, I I know the people in my circle, 
that have, you know, achieved some level of success. You know, they've gotten back in the game of life. They're thriving. They have families, careers, all those things. And, but then I wonder about the people that we don't know about that have gone through these injuries and are, are they sitting somewhere isolated in a room and they haven't gotten back into the game because why I don't know. They haven't gotten the right. Right. No, that's the thing. One thing I actually talked to the challenge athletes foundation about Mm -hmm. is that, you know, for example, we, you know, after someone gets injured, okay. uh, You know, become a paraplegic has a stroke or so forth, you know, and you know, they have some kind of a challenge, you know, um, they become, you know, the thermostat, the thermometer for everybody else's happiness, for example, in their life. I mean, their life, like your mom and dad and so forth. So there's a little bit of, 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 uh, of uh, weight, you know, on themselves. So, okay, and I have to succeed, you know, because everybody's looking at me like, you know, if I don't cope well with this, you know, they're not going to cope well with this. So you become this, you know, you, you, are, um, you have to get stronger. You automatically do because of that, you know, because you see that everybody's looking at you, how you're going to react. So, you know, you, you kind of become stronger because of that. You know, some people can cope well, some people don't. So the way I talked to CAF was like, you know, the message that we have to put it out there is that, no, you don't have to be the number one. You don't have to be the gold medal winner. You know what I mean? You know, uh, we know that being, being you know, uh, having a disability is challenging. You know, they have, the message has to be for everybody. You know, not only for those that want to be champions, not for those that want to be gold medal winners. You know, I, you know, a lot of people in wheelchairs, they don't want to do sports. They just want to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. That does not mean they're, you know, they're depressed or having a horrible life. You, you know, they're just living their lives their own way. You know, uh, not necessarily because I, I, not everybody likes riding a bike. Yeah. They, they want to get back to the dreams that they had. Before that they that. had. Yeah. yeah. Whatever they were. Right. You know, it, it may not fit me, you know, the way I live my life is, you know, that guy's happy or successful. No, he likes laying bricks. He's going to lay bricks paralyzed. Doesn't matter. That's what he wants to do. And he's going to do the best that he can, you know, be as popular as, you know, being a number one wheelchair racer, but makes him happy. Well, I think that is a good place to uh, end our conversation. Thank you. I appreciate the time that you, you carved out to come on and, and share your story with our listeners. Carlos Maletta, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me on the show. And I look forward to, you know, to listen to it. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. And we're back. Hello, this is Doug without Eric this week, but he will be back next week, as far as I know, and we'll find out what he's been up to. Thank you for listening to Walk and Roll Live. I want to thank our sponsors, Aguiar Professional Training, for all their support. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. I know there's a, a lot of other things you could listen to out there, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Wow, that was a wonderful, wonderful interview with Carlos this week, and hope to uh, 
come up with something that's good next week for you. So stay tuned and we'll let you know what that's all about. Uh, also want to let you know that you, you can listen on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. Yeah, all those places. And uh, the other thing is that I haven't mentioned a whole lot, but YouTube. If you go to just do a search in YouTube for Walk and Roll Live and you should be able to find us uh, getting quite a few uh, listeners on there. And I really haven't talked about it a whole lot. So hopefully now that we're kind of pushing people that way, it seems to be a way that people like to consume the program. All right. So uh, I guess the other thing I want to tell you is to go to our resource page. If you're looking for resources about disabilities, we've got that all set up for you. If you do not find what you're looking for, uh, let us know and we'll try to track some down and make sure it gets up there. And the other thing, if you have a story that you would like to tell about your journey with your disability, I, I know most people are shy and I'll, if, unless uh, somebody uh, invites them on, they, they may not come on. But, you know, if you're somebody that would like to share your story, you think it would make a difference in somebody's life, we would love to hear it. Or if you know somebody like that, that you want to put us in contact with, we'd be more than happy to invite them to come on the show and work out all the details on that. All right. On that note, we're going to let you go. Thanks once again to Aguiar Professional Training Studio for their sponsorship Eric, we missed you this week. We'll see you next week. I'm Doug Vincent saying, see ya. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.